It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to Iowa's Newsworthy Past. The following episode includes items published in the Iowa Weekly Republican in Iowa City, Iowa, on Wednesday, November 6th, 1861. Local and miscellaneous. The temperance lecture announced through the pupil for Friday next is postponed until Friday evening, the 15th instant. To rent, to let, to lease. The brick house lately occupied by Dr. Totten is offered for rent. Apply to Clark and Brothers. Crazy Pat, a street preacher and stump orator after a fashion is again in the city after an absence of several years. He sports the uniform of a Mexican soldier and denies in the present war sympathy with either the North or South. In spite of the pressure of the times, the business of Messrs. Collins and Son has increased so much of late as to compel them to seek a larger storeroom. And in consequence of this, they have removed their entire stock of leather, findings, saddler's hardware, etc., etc., to Powell's Block on Washington Street, one door west of the Crummy House. Their stock has recently been replenished and is now much larger than over before. They have now, for the first time, a large lot of trunks and horse blankets of different varieties and invite an examination of the same. Goodrich and Hess. By referring to the new advertisements will be found the card of Goodrich and Hess, who have taken the old stand of Messrs. Clark and Kirkwood and commenced the commission and agency business with capital and sound business experience. Mr. Goodrich has for the past five years been with Mr. Downey as teller and cashier and brings to the new firm the experience there acquired. His acquaintance with the agency business, from his long acting as agent for some of the oldest and soundest of our insurance companies, will especially adapt him to the new agencies he now receives. Mr. Hess is well known on our streets as an experienced and successful buyer of pork, grain, and so on and will devote his time to the purchasing of the same in the future. At their well-known stand, known to every farmer in Johnson County, we shall expect to see a large business transacted and can cheerfully recommend them to our people as worthy of success. Messrs. M. T. Close and Co. have got their machinery for the manufacture of linseed oil in operation. They can now manufacture 60 gallons of oil a day, taking 30 bushels of seed. By a little improvement, they will be enabled to make 100 gallons a day. This addition to the candle, soap, and lard oil manufactory makes their establishment of considerable benefit to this place and its vicinity. We would like to see this enterprise crowned with that success which such energy and activity should secure. It is not at all surprising that M. Bloom does such an extensive business in ready-made clothing, 
He has been in that old stand formerly occupied by May and Wheel for the last six years, and of the many that have bought and continue to buy their clothing of bloom, all testify to the fact that there is not a store in Iowa City where clothing can be bought at rates so low and goods so well sewed and made up as at M. Bloom's, the next door to Fannin's Flying Grocery. For county orders or city script, call at M. Bloom's Clothing Store. DeWitt Berry Hill is having built a two-story brick dwelling on Jefferson Street near the American House. It will add materially to the appearance of that part of the city. On last Monday, we received at our sanctum a call from H.C. Henderson Esquire of Marshall. He reports the Cedar Rapids Railroad completed to Leroy, 20 miles west of Cedar Rapids, and that a large force are still employed gracing and laying the iron upon the track. They are laying from a half to three quarters of a mile per day. He thinks that not many months will elapse ere the iron steed, whose neck is emphatically closed with thunder, will fetch up at Marshalltown. The road, we are told by him, is already nearly graded to the county seat of Marshall County. Timber Land for Sale 20 acres of good timber land will be sold in five-acre lots to suit purchasers. The land is situated 10 miles from Iowa City on the Pleasant Valley Road. For particulars, inquire soon of J.W. Jacobs near the land or of Morrison and Brothers, Iowa City. Departure of Troops Companies A, B, and C of the 14th Regiment started for Fort Randall last Thursday. They encamped two miles out of town until Saturday and then proceeded westward. We were promised a list of the commissioned officers and other items of interest to the members and the public, but they have come up missing. It was no fault of ours that the information was not obtained. For sale or exchange for farm property, I offer for sale or exchange for an improved farm my residence in Iowa City. The lot 120 by 150 is finely situated on the bluff overlooking the Iowa River. The grounds all well stocked with bearing fruit trees and shrubbery, strawberries, grapes, etc. The house is one of the most carefully built in the West, has all the modern improvements and conveniences, is lighted throughout with gas, contains 11 rooms, besides pantries and closets, has attached to it a wash house, ice house, wood and coal house, stable, granary, and pig pens, and is supplied with a fine cistern which has a capacity of 500 barrels. The above will be sold very low or exchanged on the advantageous terms. Inquire of Thomas H. Shepard, corner of Dubuque and Washington Streets. Another fire. Last Saturday morning, our city was again visited by a fire, which, if not the most destructive in its results, certainly was more alarming in its character than any previous. Hitherto, our fires have been mainly continued to detached blocks or isolated dwellings removed from the business portions of our city, but this attack as near the heart of the city in good three-story brick blocks occupied by heavy businessmen. The alarm of fire was given at about 9 o'clock in the morning, at which time the wind was blowing fierce and cold from the northwest. The fire is believed to have originated in the third story of the north building 
of what is known as the Wheeler Block, and in rooms occupied by A. B. Walker as the Dog Green Gallery. The precise cause or origin of the fire is unknown and furnishes a subject well worthy of further investigation. Before help could be rallied, the fire made its way upward through the roof, which was cement, and flaming out savagely, filled the minds of many with the most gloomy apprehensions. Soon, however, active hands were at work, pails of water were hurried upon the roofs of the adjoining buildings, and the engine had found water in an old cellar, filled by the late rings, so that with their united efforts, fine execution was being done to arrest the progress of the flames. To this result, the firewalls and tin roofs of the Robinson buildings adjoining the Wheeler block, both on the north and south, contributed most essentially, so that it was soon discovered by those who had favorable positions that the fire could be confined to the Wheeler's block alone. In arresting the progress of this alarming fire, it must be admitted that the engine company did a most important service and demonstrated the fact that our engine needs only water and a good foreman to accomplish everything expected of her in case of a fire emergency. The walls of the Wheeler block are still standing, and though blackened and charred, yet it is believed safe to rebuild upon them, and we are glad to learn that immediate steps will be taken to re-roof the block. The Wheeler block had upon it no insurance, Though the buildings upon either side, as well as the stocks endangered by the fire, were mainly insured. In the second story, and immediately under the Dagrin rooms where the fire originated, was the office of the governor and his private secretary, and, by the personal exertions of the secretary, all the valuable state papers in the office were safely removed to the branch bank on the opposite side of the street. The lower story of the same building was occupied by G.W. Marcard and Co., with a stock of cigars and stationery, and by H.B. Miller as a news depot, which were all removed with slight damage. In the second and third stories of the Robinson building adjoining the fire on the north was the Republican office. The type, printing material, and apparatus of the office were removed with as little damage as possible to stock so hazardous. The lower story of the same building was occupied by G.W. Marcard & Co. as a jewelry store. Stock was all safely removed. The third story of the south building in the Wheeler Block was occupied by Mr. Ambrotypist and A. Murray as a lodging room. The rear room in the second story was rented by Mr. McKay as a lodging apartment, while the front room was occupied by dentist Colson. The furniture and goods of this story were mainly saved. The lower story of the same building was temporarily occupied by William Truesdell for the sale of his hotel furniture. Furniture all removed. Adjoining the Wheeler block on the south is the well-known Robinson block, which being protected by a brick cornice, tin roof, and tire wall, was but slightly injured by the fire and regret too and that it was somewhat torn on the inside by the populace. The third story of this block was occupied by masons, whose furniture and tinsel were all removed. And in the second story of the same block is located the office of McKay and Bradley, who were able to remove all of their office furniture and valuable library with little or no damage.
The lower story and cellars of this block were occupied by merchants A. Mitchell and O.J. McCormick, both of whose stocks of goods were nearly all removed by two people against the wishes of the proprietors. We are informed that Judge Miller, a brother-in-law of Mr. McCormick, who was in Chicago at the time of the fire, nearly placed himself in front of the store and stoutly maintained that the stock was not in any immediate danger and should not be touched that the first intruder was quickly leveled to the floor. Still, the multitude rushed in, anxious to do their friend McCormick a mistaken service, overpowered by, overpowered the judge, removed the stock, and tore things generally. We are also informed that the large stock of J.O. Gower & Co., situated in a building across the alley, was mainly removed, as well as the goods of some merchants even further down. Social Hop The social party at Metropolitan Hall this evening promises to be a very pleasant affair. It will in no sense be a ball, but is intended to be what its name indicates, only this and nothing more. Mr. Hutchinson, the gentlemanly manager, has provided excellent music and will do everything in his power to make the party a pleasant one.